Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Show. This is JC filling in for the doctor, Dr. Hall. Chris Ann is um, teaching and rousing the rabble, firing up the patriots. So appreciate you guys being on board. So she wanted me to jump on here and say hello to you good people. And um, we'll we'll see if we can't chit chat for a little bit and uh, see what's going on in the world. Appreciate everybody. Appreciate all you faithful uh, faithful watchers, faithful listeners. Don't forget um, support the show. Text Impact Twenty Twenty to three three seven 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 if you haven't done that, and uh, you will get back a text that asks you to. Put your email address in there, and then uh, you should get a link back to the site. Go to the site, and then choose your support level there, and uh, make sure you support the show so we can continue to do what we do. We also have, uh, let's see, Super Chats should be available. Appreciate you guys um, chipping in with the Super Chats, so that's there for you. Got my Navy hat on again. so no, no, this is not the one issued to me in the Navy, but um, but I'm a traditionalist, so you know, gotta go with um, go with the one that looks like that. But no, not actually, not actually the one that I got originally. But anyway, we're here. Appreciate y'all, all you vets out there, um, not veterinarians, but all you veterans um, supporting the show. All my shipmates, fellow Navy shipmates. Appreciate you and all you other, all you other guys out there. So, man, this is the day, the uh, election. I mean, you can say election season uh, officially kicks off. You got the Democratic caucuses in Iowa kicking off tonight, man. So that ought to be this chair, man. I got a squeaky chair. Can you guys hear that? I'm gonna have to put some oil in this chair, man. Every time I move, it squeaks. Anyway, Democratic um, caucuses going on in Iowa tonight. You got, you know, basically, basically four candidates kind of jockeying for position there. Joe Biden, um, Sanders, Pete, the booty guy, and uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren. Hoorah, brother. Appreciate Marines out there. I love the... um, what was that show? Few Good Men. You guys remember that? I love that line in A Few Good Men. I think it was Kiefer Sutherland and uh, Tom Cruise, you know, in his Navy uniform, looks at Kiefer Sullivan, the, the Marine, and says, did I, did I do something to offend you? He says, no, I like all you Navy boys. Anytime we have to go somewhere and fight, y'all give us a ride. <laughs> One of my favorite lines of all time. Love that. Amen. So anyway, Iowa caucuses got these four candidates. Now, um, when you look around at what's going on, you basically have, um, well, at least in Iowa, right? Bernie Sanders uh, is leading the pack. So look at this. And you look at, here's an article from 538 and uh, it's probably liberal, whatever. But they, um, you know, they try to crunch the data and do all these statistics and whatnot. But if you look at, so overall, you have, uh, you know, Joe Biden with a two in five chance, 43% chance, and then Bernie Sanders allegedly with a 31% chance um, to get the majority of delegates uh, overall, like the whole, you know, Democratic nominating process. But interesting in, in Iowa, when you look at this first caucus that's going on and look at the polls that have been done there, um, I think all four of the major polls have have Bernie in the lead, one place by seven, one by two. Um, another by, I think, what is that? Four and then, um, seven in another one ahead, ahead of Biden. So 
you know, what what does that mean? What's what's going on there? Well, at least in um appreciate that suggestion. At least in Iowa, it looks like according to the polls, you know, for what that's worth, that Sanders has has popularity there. And it's always it's always interesting about these things when you think about the caucuses. So well, it's it's hard to judge, okay? So in the caucuses a lot of times, at least historically how they've been run, although it's a little different this year, they they're kind of tweaking how they're doing things. But the caucuses in the past, you're basically looking at, you know, the political a political activists, like really, you know, really serious hardcore uh in the trenches kind of activist, not necessarily reflective of Joe on the street citizen. Uh, but nevertheless, what what could that mean? As if any of us care, right? I don't know. I just find it interesting. What could it mean? So if, if Sanders gets a majority of the delegates out of out of Iowa, you know, then he comes he comes forward with some clout out of that particularly for fundraising, which helps him get his message out even more for what that's worth. Um, and the biggest thing, it probably, it probably really um, sits Elizabeth Warren down, right? So cross her name off the list. If Bernie catches some steam out of uh, Iowa, and I think Nevada is the early, other early caucus, right? But what if, what if it's Warren? What if Warren plays some comeback? She comes out with more delegates than Sanders. Then that really throws a wrench in the works for the radical side and takes a lot of pressure off of Biden, right? So Bernie comes out, it actually puts pressure on Biden maybe. Um, if, if Warren comes out, it kind of diffuses that, puts pressure on Sanders, takes the pressure off Biden because now you're, you know, your radical wing is split. That's going to change kind of the way Bernie, you know, is talking about what he talks about. And so, you you know, you never know. Um, <clears throat> and then what does that mean? Let's say if Bernie comes out with a majority, um, maybe then does that put, does that kind of tamp down the whole Sanders wave, the radical Marxist left uh, wing of the party or the more... <laughs> I say the more radical, more Marxist wing of the party uh, does that kind of shut that down. Um, who knows? Uh, and as far as the the other candidates, um, you know, Gabbard, what's the other one? Klobuchar, whatever her name is. Um, you know, they're not they're not really they're not really hitting the uh, minimum mark. Okay, and the way these caucuses work, I don't know if any, I don't know if you guys are familiar with how they how these things go down, but the caucuses are, you know, all these Democrat voters gathering in places uh, all over the state in these precincts, and basically each camp has somebody pretty much giving a speech, you know, pitching their candidate. I actually ran across a couple of these guys just. Uh, from the Sanders camp, uh, just these college kids having to r write some speech and give it. And, and, but the thing is, the, what happens is the campaign basically sends out a, a prepared speech and then the presenters can tweak and sort of make it their own. And so they give the speech about the candidate and then the crowd, you know, goes to a spot in the room with their candidate's name or their candidate's flag or whatever, and they group up and then the guy leading or gal leading, you know, count counts up who's where. And in these Iowa caucuses, the candidate has to reach a 15% threshold, right? So if they're below 15% of the group, then they scratch them off as not viable. You're pretty much scratched off the list for that precinct. And then those candidates have to go to some other, uh, some other candidates camp in what they call the re-caucusing. And, uh, you know, so they whittle that down and then they basically report the numbers uh, proportionally 
out of that and then you know declare who got the most and and how many got what and of course this year they're also reporting the new one of the new things in iowa they're also reporting popular vote counts which is interesting so you could have uh you could also have more than you know you could have multiple candidates come out of there essentially declaring themselves the winner right i got more votes than him but i got the popular vote or these guys that were so close or have a certain amount. Um, so, you know, you, you could potentially have no change whatsoever. You could have all four of these cats uh, coming out of these caucus. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting uh, kind of thing to tell you where the next little, next little while is going to go for these Democrats. So this is after tonight. That starts at 7 tonight, by the way. So after tonight, and that's reported, you know, we're off to the races and you'll start hearing people talk about who's in the lead and what's going on with these guys and and uh who's who's the candidate and now here's another thing about these these early caucuses um they don't necessarily predict who's going to win the nomination right in recent history it, it hasn't even had it hasn't even related uh to that the uh, value of it for the candidates is is this impression which then can cause support to flow into their campaign so they can get like this quick infusion of cash and try to get this message out but if you don't capitalize on that or you know like in Bernie's case last time you have the whole establishment pretty much pull the rug out from under you um, then it's not going to matter anyway so so you never know. Um, and Gabbard, they don't, they don't want, here's the problem with Tulsi Gabbard. The problem with Tulsi Gabbard, right, she's, she's the more, she's the anti-war candidate uh, of the left, and therein is her problem, because you, you can't be anti-war. I mean, they're not, you're not going to be allowed uh, by the powers that be to buck the war machine. So they're not going to give her any play. They're going to make sure. And it's not like I'm pitching Gabbard, but um, you know, you're, you're, she's not, she's not going anywhere, right? So any of you libertarians out there, like you, you love her just because she's anti-war. Um, sorry, not going to happen. They're not going to allow it just because she is anti-war, right? Um, you know, Trump was Trump was the kind of guy. I mean, everything about the Trump campaign was. Um, was really unorthodox and unprecedented in the sense. And, you know, you've seen him, he, he, he talks tough enough that, you know, you, you've seen the establishment, people like the walrus, uh, John Bolton, you know, think that they're going to get him to do their bidding for the war machine. And then Trump, you know, being the guy he is, is all over the map and doesn't always support um all-out war. Sometimes he supports these engagements, sometimes he doesn't. Um, but there's no real, there's no kind of question with Tulsi, and so that, I promise you, that won't be tolerated. They, they won't let her get anywhere close to the nomination. So, sorry guys, if, if that's your, that's who you like, uh, you can hang that up, because <laughs> they're not going to let her get in there. Just all there is to it. Um, and, and, and yeah, somebody, what's this, this libertarian never support anyway, right? So, and that's another thing with the libertarian, with sort of the right leaning libertarians, not going to support Tulsi anyway, you know, because of her left, leftist stances in addition to her, um, her, uh, anti-war stance. I mean, she still, she still has lots of these Marxist tendencies. So, you, you know, you, you can't even get all libertarians uh, behind that. They, many just think it's interesting that somebody is voicing an anti-war stance. Um, that actually sounds sincere. Because remember, Obama said he's going to get us out of all these wars. And I think, you know, within a year, we're in six additional wars under the Obama administration. Um, so, you know, who knows? Now, uh, I was looking at this article 
a, that talks about um, Ben Shapiro uh, says Republicans are underestimating uh, the appeal of Bernie Sanders. So Shapiro thinks he can he, he can sneak up on the electorate and he's some force to be reckoned with. Uh, now, I don't look to Ben Shapiro uh, to get my political advice, but it's, it, it was interesting. His take on it really was about the messaging. So he had an interesting take. So I think, I think the point that Ben Shapiro was making had some validity in one sense because it was more about um, the electorate really than it's about Bernie. And so why, why could it be possible that people underestimate Bernie? Well, he, he basically makes the case of uh, Bernie, how Bernie is messaging, right? How he is delivering uh, his message. And so when you, when you uh, hear Bernie at these rallies and, and listen, the key to, this is the thing, and, and people get lost in this, the key to winning elections. What is the key to winning elections? Somebody will say money. No, it's not money, right? Money is a vehicle for these keys. So it may or may not dictate uh, the winner. But the key to winning elections, just fundamentally speaking, is voter contact and getting voter to the polls, right? Voter contact and voter turnout, okay? So voter contact, uh, part of voter contact has to do with how you, how you connect with the voters, right? How you, you know, your messaging is part of that. So Ben Shapiro is talking about how Trump, how this guy Sanders could be a potential threat because of the messaging. So when Bernie is making voter contact, then he's basically pitching this sort of rah-rah, getting people uh, fired up, a lot like Obama, where Obama made this really nondescript, amorphous pitch when he's standing at these events and rallying the troops. You know, you would find you could find Obama in interviews and different isolated places where he actually spoke openly about his agenda. But that generally didn't happen in during the time of voter contact, right? Where he's targeting these are the people that are going to go to the polls and vote for me. It was it was same kind of messaging that Bernie Sanders is using, right? The 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 the, the country's uh, unfair and uh, things aren't uh, you know you you don't get everything that that you need, and so we're and we can change it, we can fight it, we can make a change, right? That. It's the same stinking message, right? So it's Bernie's messaging is this um, community organizer uh, movement building message, okay? Because that's the that's voter contact, okay? And then I get those voters to the polls. Most of the time, there's nothing in between. Those voters are not going to educate themselves or be listening or 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 be swayed when you start to hear Bernie uh, spew all his nonsense when he's standing in the debates, okay? He's not saying those things at the rallies that he's saying in the debates. And when he talks about all these, these you know, radical ideas to a lot of these guys, it's, it's really all a sort of, yes, it's in the radical realm, yes, it's sort of anti-establishmentarianism, but it's general enough to be a blank slate that these people can project their own hopes and dreams on this and then pull the lever. So that's that I think that's a valid point, you know, when you talk about kind of trying to predict what the outcome could be and is this guy a serious candidate? Is he a serious threat? Now, I, I don't know that that that, that translates that certainly doesn't translate in the general election. Uh, I don't know if that translates in the primary or not, um, you know, because I, I still believe that a majority of Americans uh, don't support the radical ideas that Bernie espouses. Here's the problem. 
The problem is, is that disconnect of understanding what Bernie's actually promising, what Bernie's actually pitching, and what they hear, right? What, what they want to believe. I got a friend, you know, who, who has mentioned, you know, liking Bernie. And if you take maybe the generalities of what Bernie says, maybe you could understand that. Yeah, I, I, you like this guy because he's going to fix this, he's going to fix that. But when you get into the actual details of what Bernie believes, what he stands for, and what he proposes to do, um, that's a whole different story. So most people don't take a lot of time to really study out what these candidates are, are, are meaning behind what they're saying. Um, people, don't, people don't keep sustained attention during these elections. So you never know, man. You never know what's going to happen. I think it would be uh, a disaster. I mean, I generally think it'd be a disaster for Bernie to get the Democrat nomination. It'd be a disaster for Democrats. Um, I think it's a guaranteed loss. But, but I think at this point, I think any of them is a guaranteed loss. Um, I just, they just don't have strong candidates. Another, another thing about, another difference that Shapiro points out about Bernie's messaging as opposed to most of the other candidates' uh, messaging, particularly Biden, the rest of the messaging is simply, we hate Trump, right? We hate Trump. Anybody but this guy. That's their message. And there's no substance to it. So Bernie is not, it's not just running around um, 100% uh, trashing Trump, you know, Trump sucks is my message, right? That's, that's just not, that's not what he does, right? It's not how he's coming at it. So, you know, th those things all play into how this stuff plays out. Now, everybody, everybody listening to this show, all you guys out there in the chat room, I mean, we, we pay attention to content right? We know, we understand the principles. We know what the guy's saying and what he stands for. We get that. Um, but unfortunately, I don't, I'm not, I don't know if majority Americans, majority of Americans actually um, study it like we do and understand it like we do. Um, you know, most people have their kind of pet issues and they're trying to listen to what you say about that. Uh, that that's your general voter approach. I mean, obviously, our audience, you're about principles, and you understand the principles, you understand economics, you understand capitalism, you understand liberty, uh, and we get what's going on here. We, we, we hear the uh, Marxist agenda, and so, you know, your average person, I think, hears free stuff, right? Bernie's going to get rid of my debt. Bernie's going to uh, take care of my college tuition, uh, same thing, Elizabeth Warren, free, free, oh, we got so many rich people, we can afford to pay, um, pay for a free college for everybody, and free this, and free that, free whatever, so that sort of simplistic message that doesn't have a clue about economic, how economics work, you know, is, is just this simplified, there's rich people over here, and there's a lot of them, they're really rich, so with all that money, I mean, we can afford to pay for all this stuff for everybody else who can't pay for it, right? I mean, that's, that's the simplistic thinking that's out there. There's no concept of incentive and how, you know, taking money from over here and redistribu redistributing it affects the production and affects the businesses that produce that wealth. I mean, you, you keep taking from the production side. I mean, think about, think about what... AOC and Bernie Sanders, you know, essentially are talking about getting rid of, getting rid of rich people. Okay. So that, so that poor people can have that money. All right. So here's the thing, man, that the system, that system of capitalism that you want to get rid of is what produced the rich people that you want to pay for those services. So when you eliminate the system of capitalism, then you're no longer producing rich people. So now what is your source to pay for all the non-producing people's services? Right? So that very simple disconnect, man, uh, it, it ought to be basic, right? 
But again, we don't teach these things in our schools anymore. Um, we don't even teach people to think. We teach them what to think, right? The propaganda, the leftist propaganda, what to think. They're not taught how to think. So nobody examines these ideas past the front porch. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's, that's how a guy like Bernie gains steam. I mean, he capitalized capitalizes on uh, this lack of lack of understanding, particularly economic literacy, you know, uh, he capitalizes on that, that kind of stuff, man. It's crazy. Uh, check this out. This, this, is, this was interesting to me. So another, uh, another poll kind of reporting, Americans are dissatisfied with the state of the union. And again, you have all these, you know, all the numbers of this percent and that percent and the gap. The most significant thing here, this is what I thought was the most significant, right? 89, it says 89% of Republicans and just 7% of Democrats approved of Trump on average during the third year of his presidency. Okay, so that's, sorry, that's a huge that's a huge gap, right? So it's not about the level, the level of support or whatever, but just the fact that there's such an incredible divide between, let's just say left and right, for lack of better terms, okay? So th this huge divide, this huge split uh, in the American public, or at least the American, and I would say American political public, in a sense, uh, I think I think um, statistics bear out that the one third man. There's always a one third, you know, what they call independents, undecided. Uh, they're not really studying politics, not studying what's happening here, so they swing back and forth, whatever. Um, but anyway, this this divide, uh, I think, is significant because now. Of course, it's framed in, if you'll, if you'll look at the headline, it's, it's framed in the sense of, right, dis, dissatisfaction, dissatisfied with the state of, of the union. Um, and, and in particular, you know, it's framed on, it's framed in the uh, support level of President Trump. Now, what you actually find out when you look at the numbers is President Trump is as unpopular or popular, however you want to look at it, let's say unpopular, he is as unpopular as Barack Obama. So the reality is when you look at the numbers between Trump and President Obama, there's really not a great deal of difference. And don't forget, uh, President Obama was reelected. Now we, you know, there's been some election fraud involved in that, but nevertheless, um, if you look just at the numbers, President Trump, at least as far as how they conduct these polls, is no more unpopular uh, than Barack Obama. Or we could say it this way, Barack Obama was not any more popular than they claim Donald Trump is. Now, the, now, of course, the odd thing about that is when you see these, these rallies for Trump, um, is really crazy, really crazy. And I don't know if you can sort of generalize that as far as indicating the general population, but um, it's, uh, it's crazy to see at least within the population that supports Trump, the intensity of the support I think is off the charts, right? Is, is different uh, at least, for, obviously I can't attest to other presidents that I wasn't alive for, but certainly um, it seems more intense than any president than I can remember in my lifetime uh, and, and any that I'm aware of in history. Um, so again, you know, I, I, I don't know, I don't know that it's, uh, I don't know that you can say, well, Trump is obviously more popular than they say because look at what's going on at his rallies. Maybe, maybe, 
but we can in the very least say among his supporters, that support is incredibly intense. And David, I don't trust, we should mention that, I don't trust polls either. Um, psychology was, you know, is my background in college and you have to take all the statistics and all that kind of garbage. And man, honestly, statistics are crap. The so-called science of statistics is total garbage. I mean, even I'm looking, I look at the textbooks and trying to learn statistics and even, even the textbooks call it the science of guessing, the mathematics of uncertainty. And so, you know, take all these with a grain of salt. And the problem is you look at the poll, the poll has certain parameters and, and it blows me away the samples. Again, this is the thing. You get, you get these, these polls generalized to a population based on some statistical formula, right? But then when you, which, which is supposed to require, you know, the certain sample size and whatever. And I see these polls like the Gallup polls and where they polled, you know, 700 people. And somehow that's supposed to reflect the opinion of 320 million people in a nation or however many voters, you know, 200 million registered voters or whatever it is. Come on, man. Give me a break. So, yeah. And, and I think we've seen that. And this is a thing about, um, you know, when you look at the Iowa caucus and they talk about the polls and who's leading, whatever. And we saw this. We saw this in the previous election uh, begin to bear itself out of how so many of these polls ended up not being accurate. I mean, wildly inaccurate. And one of and this is the thing about statistics to get to get closer and closer to the truth. First of all, there's an assumed bell curve norm. Everything's normal, blah, blah, blah. So and to get closer to um, a more reliable, uh, you know, interpretation, you need more and more data, right? The more and more people you poll, obviously, the closer you get to representation of the truth. And so the one thing, one thing that's affected um, polling and the accuracy of these polls, believe it or not, is the internet, right? Because the internet and independent media have driven many newspapers out of business and particularly local newspapers get bought up by these big conglomerates and whatever. And the, and the polls, the way the polls were carried out previously was done by local, the local newspapers in that location. And you had all these different polls. Uh, and, and, and so you had a lot of more data coming out in an area. Well, you no longer have that. You don't have that anymore because they just don't exist. And so you saw that big time um, in, in the last election and all these predictions and all these polls and, you know, them telling, talking about leads and who's leading and all this. And they were, they were incredibly inaccurate. And the fact of the matter is there just aren't uh, very many really good sound um, polls being taken out there. So you can't really trust any of these things anymore. You really, you really don't know um, what's going on, and that's why. That's that's why. That's what's happening with that. So, I don't, and I don't see that changing, by the way. So, you know, uh, it's it's a whole different ball game with um, with trying to predict what's going on. I tell you, just just um, just on a personal from a personal point of view. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and and that's the whole thing. Nobody ever asked me. Nobody ever polled me, right? You always see these polls and this, this, they believe this and they believe that. Like, nobody ever asked me. And so, again, when, you know, we polled 300 people. Okay, so that reflects an entire nation of what they believe. It's crazy. I, I, I don't care what kind of math and what kind of formula you have. No way. No way that that can, can, be, uh, can be accurate. That's ridiculous, man. It's crazy. Okay. Um, but I think about to the... Um, the Trump election, you know, and, and this ties into something we have mentioned on the previous show when you talk about where they draw their sort of body of opinion from the L.A. and New York market. OK, we are in Florida and the decision night is here and, and the results, you know, we're approaching that hour, the results and start looking at how this thing's going to play out. And certainly in the context of electoral college, that's how presidents are elected. It's by state. And the New York media, I was listening to Fox um, off and on, 
And so, you know, these guys in New York, and they were saying, um, you know, well, Florida, Florida has an edge of registered Democrats. So there's slightly more Democrats, not a huge edge, but slightly more Democrats in Florida um, than there are Republicans. And so they're wringing their hands and talking about Florida, the toss-up state. Now, Chris Ann was, she's like, I'm not watching this, I'm going to bed. And not long before she decided to turn in, I looked at her, I said, oh, well, he's got Florida then. And that's it, that's a lock, he has Florida. When they said, Democrats have a slight registration edge in Florida, I said, well, boom, he's got Florida. You know why? And this is a difference because the new, they're, poll, they're pulling this opinion from New York and they, they don't know anything about Florida, right? We're in Florida. I'm from Florida. We're sitting here. So the thing about Florida, you have South Florida, you have North Florida, you have the I-4 corridor. South Florida is blue no matter what. Uh, North Florida is red no matter what. I-4 corridor is uh, the swing area, right? It's purple. But I'm from North Florida, okay? So here's what I know about Democrats in, in red North Florida. Democrats in North Florida vote Democrat locally and they vote Republican nationally. They are conservative Democrats. They are red Democrats in, that, in, the, in the national sense. And so there's your edge. There's your registration edge for Democrats. I said, I told my wife, I said, if it's this close, then Trump has Florida because we know how Democrats in North Florida um, are going to vote. They're going to vote for Trump. End of story. So we knew Trump gets Florida's electoral votes. And then I told her, I said, now all he has to do after that, when once that comes in, then all he has to do is take one of the so-called blue bricks. And this guy's our next president. By a, by a wide margin. And, and that's exactly what happened. And I, and I believe, you know, you might say there was some divine intervention in that. But here's another thing about it. Um, Republicans didn't elect Trump, okay? Just like in, in Florida, just what I'm talking about in Florida. He had to win Democrats, right? Democrats voted for Trump to win Florida. Democrats had to vote for him in Wisconsin to win Florida. Democrats had to vote for him in Michigan for him to win Michigan. Democrats had to vote for him in Pennsylvania. All these, uh, these so-called blue states, you, you don't win those states with just Republicans. So you have these blue collar, you know, um, work a day, you know, uh, what, what do they call them? You know, the, the sort of worker bee, middle class Democrats um, that they voted for him. Now that's who Joe Biden is trying to go after. He's trying to draw them back into the Democrat uh, realm. And so that's why some of these states like Wisconsin and Michigan are razor thin this time. And if their candidate is Joe Biden, that's the pitch that the Democrats are trying to make, that the establishment is trying to make, that Joe Biden is the one that's electable um, because he appeals to these blue collar Democrats that uh, voted for Trump the last time around. And that's what they're after. And, uh, you know, so how's that going to play out? Who knows? Look at how stupid. This is funny. President Trump tweeted and then deleted a message oh. congratulating the Kansas. He is talking. Uh, but check this out. Dreyfus on Trump's uh, Kansas tweet. Okay. And what, what is this about? Okay, this is how stupid and self-involved these celebrities are. So the, the mock is about the Super Bowl. So then Trump congratulated the Kansas City Chiefs who won the Super Bowl. And he basically said, you represented the state of Kansas well. Well, Kansas City Chief, Chiefs play in Kansas City, Missouri, not Kansas City, Kansas. Well, the thing about Kansas City, it's a, it, it basically is a city that spills over into two states on the border. How many, how many people know? I didn't even know. I know because my wife is from Missouri, and I learned that because I married uh, a show-me-state Missourian, right? I, did, I had no idea Kansas City Chiefs played in Kansas City, Missouri. I'd have said the same thing. But this is, this is the focus of these idiotic Marxist celebrities. What, what, what's important to them? What rises to the level of criticism? 
the fact that you don't know where the Kansas City Chiefs played. Who cares? Right? Why is that why is that important? Is it important to her because she's a celebrity and they are celebrities? This is how they think. So the only thing important on the planet are are these these celebrities, these Hollywood actors and these people who play with balls, right? Who who cares? First of all, I I could care less about what any of these celebrities say, but they're so self-important. And look, look at their focus. The, the fact that this is what is important. That the, look, oh my goodness, the president doesn't know that the Chiefs play in Kansas City, Missouri rather than Kansas City, Kansas. Who freaking cares? Who cares? Who cares that this stupid celebrity, your job is pretending to be people? Like you play dress up and pretend. That's your job. That's what you get paid for. I mean, I understand Americans, you know, we're, we're so full of idolatry and entertainment is our religion. I get that. And so because so many Americans as entertainment as their God will go play billions to people who play pretend and dress up or, or celebrity athletes who play with balls. Okay. I don't care that you play with balls. The fact that you play with balls does not make your opinion valuable. The fact that you play with balls in Missouri or play with balls in Kansas, who freaking cares? Okay? Whatever. Whatever. Idiots, man. Idiots. I really have, I mean, I, my goodness. Don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-sports. I So, I like sports for, for the reason that I believe uh, sports, you know, can teach you life lessons, right? It can help shape character and things like that. But, and I like movies, man. I mean, I like to be in, entertained, okay? But the idea that because you do that, somehow you're important and, and you are the authoritative opinion on whatever. Who freaking cares what you think and who cares where these guys play with balls? What freaking ever. So that's what the left is bothered by. They want to make sure that the president knows where the chiefs play with their balls. Okay. I guess that's important to some people. Whatever. Um, but that's what's going on, guys. That's what's going on. I, I, uh, I guess I'm a political junkie, kind of. And by the way, I don't think my opinion... I, my opinion, you can take it or leave it. I'm not, I'm not trying to preach. I don't think I know more uh, than anybody or my opinion's you know, more valuable or whatever. But... On the other hand, for me, like I look to, I look to Chris Ann, I think her opinion is valuable because she has an expertise, a studied expertise in the area about which she teaches. What, what is Julia, whatever Dreyfus, I don't even know her name, not that I care, but what is her expertise in? What, what, why, why is she an expert in politics, uh, in the law, in how the government should operate? No, you, you, you know, you're welcome to your opinion. But we see, we see the level of your intellect when you open your claptrap. And, and we see your values and, and what's important and how you make these judgments. Okay, that I'm going to criticize the president because he doesn't know where some guys play with balls at. What, what about Obama? I'm mean, like, I don't remember. You guys remember much of these criticisms about Obama? I don't, Dreyfus, I don't think criticized Obama too much. Right? Remember, remember, who remembers President Barack Obama um, making a joke about Special Olympics? 
right? He makes an off-color joke about Special Olympics. Now, he apologized, you know, and actually apologized before it aired on the show that where he said it. Fine, okay? You know, I'm not trying to pile on the guy. But, you know, he's given a pass. Nobody says anything when, when he, he says that stuff. He, he mocked, uh, openly mocks, mocked Nancy Reagan for her seances. I might do the same. But the point is, you know, he says some off-color thing or makes some joke at someone's expense. No one, no one on the left says boo. But Trump's a cretin, uh, you know, Trump's so obnoxious and uh, all this sort of stuff. So, you know, we like Representative um, Cohen, this who looks like I should have pulled this up. Representative Cohen. I don't know. He, he's like just creepy looking to me. He looks like a, a frog. Like he's part frog. It's like a, I don't know. I'm like a, like a bloated pedophile version of Kermit the Frog. That's kind of the look he has to me. Um, Bernie's kind of an unbloated, you know, aged version of like a combination of Yoda and Kermit the Frog. That's kind of how Bernie looks to me. But Anyway, so Cohen says, I'm, I'm not, I didn't attend the last State of the Union that President Trump gave, and I'm not going to this one, right? Because he's, he's such a crass guy and, you know, such a bad guy because um, he does all of these things, you know. And then, but nothing was said about Obama's flubs. And we couldn't say anything, uh, uh, you know, against President Obama because he's the first black president. It's historical. And, then if, you know, if you say anything, you're a racist. Um, you know, which is interesting, you know, even if you're black and criticize Obama, you're a racist. You know, so uh, those goalposts are always moved. What about Obama talking about his Muslim faith? Oh, remember that? George Stephanopoulos, he says something about, you know, talking about his his Muslim faith. Um, and, and, and that was somehow supposed to be a, a misspeak? Come on. No, I'm a Christian. I... That is n never, ever something I would accidentally say. Never, never in a million years am I going to get tongue-tied and accidentally say my Muslim faith. Just not going to happen. Not going to happen. Um, oh, yeah, the, the, the uh, cor corpsman, corpsman, we call corpsman, because remember, Trump says one, one Corinthians, whatever, uh, quoting the verse one Corinthians, blah, 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 which by the way, um, they actually, that's, that's how it's referenced in Europe, in some European places, different places actually say it that way. They don't say first Corinthians. They do say one Corinthians or, you know, one John or whatever. I mean, so that's, that's actually a thing. Okay. But Obama was apparently some idiot. But Barack Obama can say, you know, I've been to 57 states. Um, I can accidentally say my Muslim faith. And, 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 and he's not an idiot, right? But somehow Trump's an idiot for not knowing where, again, Kansas City Chiefs play with balls. Why is that, why is that the measure of intelligence? How is that the how is that the measure of a president of a president that 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 he knows where some athletes play with their balls? I, I don't I don't why is that I don't understand how that's uh, now the IQ test for presidents. Just bizarre. When did that happen? When did that become a thing? Um, what about remember Obama? Um, I mean, you talk about Trump mocking people. What about Obama mocking? He said. Remember when he said. Uh, People in Pennsylvania and the Midwest are all bitter, clinging to their guns and their religion. I mean, how do you mock? How do you mock an entire part of the country? And that's and that's okay. Remember when Obama plagiarized another guy's speech? He plagiarized Deval Patrick's speech and used it, and then he was criticized. <laughs> And they got Deval Patrick later, like a week later, he goes, oh, I told him, I told him to say that. I told him, use my speech. <laughs> oh, man. Then remember, they make, Obama makes the Hillary ad, the Apple Hillary ad, 
and then lies about it. No, that's not us. We didn't make that. Only to come out and find out later. Yeah, you did do that. Not to mention all the lies relative to lost emails, Russian spies, Russian agents, FISA warrants. I mean, what about all that? How is it Barack Obama's not a creep and a cretin and an idiot? Why is that not a thing? I think it is a thing in my house. Anyway, so, stupid is as stupid does. Amen. None of those celebrities are rocket science. So, thanks guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for joining me. Um... I don't know if you wanted to spend this long with me. With Chris Ann's not here. Thanks, Dean, for the super chat donation. Man, that is crazy awesome. I have no idea. It was like a potato with a mohawk flying on a rocket. A rocket-powered potato with a mohawk. That might be cooler than the $50. But thanks for that, brother. We appreciate it. Appreciate all you guys tuning in. Appreciate you listening. Don't forget... Um, don't forget to go to the uh, Liberty Gear store. Go to the, uh, the website, chrisannhall.com, and you can find shirts and mugs and all that kind of good stuff. I'm going to be working on some more cool T-shirts really soon, and so make sure you go there and uh, catch that. Appreciate you guys being here. We'll see you next time. Hopefully, Chris Ann will be back uh, real soon. And uh, you guys hold down, hold down the fort out there. Don't, don't, don't let Bernie, I want to say don't let Bernie burn it down, but maybe if Bernie went ahead and burned it down, then it'd be real quick and we can go ahead and rebuild it. I don't know. So I don't know what to say on that. Just do what you do and keep doing it. See ya.